You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Let's give them a hand as they're leaving. And you know what? That's going to make a little bit of space for those of you that are in the back. If you're sitting in the back and you're wondering to yourself, is there room for me? The uh, answer is yes. There's three seats next to my guy, Jordan. There's a few seats here on the front if you're so brave. Um, I also want to let you know, we realize that space is tight. Um, But we want you to know that we are so grateful that you're joining us on this Sunday. And we are making room. We are actively working on a space right next door to have more seats, more opportunities to welcome more people so that we can be a transformational force here in our city. And so just hang with us a little longer. We're moving, and it's going to be more space. You're going to be able to, like, put your wings out. You're going to, gosh, the wind beneath my wings. It's going to be beautiful. I have a, a unique opportunity today to introduce to you two incredible people. Um, Alan Chipman is going to be in a conversation with Janelle Washington. Alan is an activist uh, here in Richmond. Uh, He cares deeply about racial reconciliation and healing, and I tell him all the time that he's a prophet. And so we'll want to tune in to what he has to say with our community today. Janelle Washington is going to be sharing with us today about the interconnectionality between art and racial healing. Uh, Janelle has pieces that are featured in the National uh, Smithsonian, no, National Smithsonian of African American History and Culture. Um, so we'll want to pay attention to what she has to share. Recently, she had a piece at St. Paul's uh, during Lent that was Stations of the Cross uh, that were absolutely incredible. Me, uh, Drew, Jonathan Fuller, we all went to experience them, and it was transformational. Friends, can we welcome our guest speakers today for the Voices series, Alan Chipman and Janelle Washington. Give them a hand. I feel like we're about to do songs in a coffee house. <laughs> let me grab this guitar. No. Uh, speaking of art, now let me stop. That's, that's a terrible transition. Uh, greeting Center Church. Great to be with you all again. Um, I am uh, blessed to be able to end a conversation with Janelle Washington here. Uh, if, if you haven't been, go to WashingtonCuts.com yes. and see her wonderful art but not during our conversation, because then we'll be like, oh, they're looking at their phones. This isn't going well. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, We really want to talk today about the intersection between um, uh, what we see um, and kind of how it affects the formation of our hearts. And I think art is a very good way of doing that. Um, So I'm going to start with prayer, if you all didn't do that. But if, you know, you could always use more prayer, right? Most gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity to reflect on your word and what it means for us in this time. Uh, I pray that we would reflect on your truth, and through this conversation, that eyes will be opened, hearts will be formed um, into the way of Christ. And it is in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Cool. So um, the scripture that we had today, Numbers 21, 4 through 9, um, it has a very interesting, it has some very interesting themes. There's also vipers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, people getting bitten and poisoned. It sounds like an episode of The Walking Dead or something. Uh, but it, it's, it's, though the vipers seem very harsh, and it's like, did anyone else read this scripture and see the vipers and go kind of go like, whoa, that was, you know. <laughs> you could have changed the flavor of the manna or, you know, I don't know. You know, if that was a core issue, I don't know why the vipers were necessary. <laughs> but it's actually important for us to remember that throughout the time of uh, Israel, there was an issue of forgetting, right? Either they would get out of Egypt and the comforts and the, and, the, and the discomfort and the complications of freedom would make them kind of misremember what Egypt was actually about, right? And they're like, man, well, I wish we just were back in Egypt. But in Egypt, you know, they were fussing at Moses. And then sometimes when they get successful, they would also forget. And so the vipers are really harsh, but it also, if you think about it, it's kind of that memory matters, proper memory matters a lot to God and in the ways of justice. Whenever Israel would become oppressive, God would always say, remember when you were in Egypt, remember. Um, and so um, I want to talk with Janelle a little bit. Um, part of your art uh, is really about helping people reflect. Um, and many times throughout uh, the Israel's journey, God had them go back and remember and to build art. In this one, it's bronze. And so, uh, and also then when they would forget, they would build altars of stone and different things of like that. Right. Um, so I know that a central part of your art uh, is a theme called Sankofa. Yeah. So for those who are not familiar with it and think that sounds like a great coffee house <laughs> here locally, can you talk about how it informed your art and what role does looking back and remembering playing the process in pursuit of racial justice. Yes. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to talk and to meet everyone. Thank you. Um, and concerning Sankofa, um, that basically is a West African uh, word, um, and it has a symbol of a bird with an egg on its back, and it's looking back. So it basically means to look back and to move forward. So you are looking back at history. You're taking what you need to go into the future. And I like that because I am a student of history. Now, don't ask me any questions because I forget stuff, but I love <laughs> learning about history. And I love learning how people persevered and pushed through and the beauty in that. And, you know, I feel like that's important in my work to have, you know, because we don't want to forget these stories. And also, I feel that Sankofa is important to God because that's why we have the Bible. Uh, we have these stories to look back, to learn about human nature, to, to learn about God's nature. And how did those folks mess up and how do we not mess up now? So it's very important to always acknowledge uh, what happened in the past, you know, whether it's good, nasty, evil, you know, it happens, you know, and that's life. You just kind of move on, you grow from it. And so I like to incorporate that in my artwork. But also, I'm not one that dwells on all of the negativity. So you won't really find that in my art. You'll find that I am focused on how people came through. So even with the goodness of God, you know, we still mess up. Yeah. But at the end, he still loves us. He forgives us when we repent and 
uh, we change, and he's still there for us. So there's still that beauty that's really important in God, you know, and I want to focus on that in my artwork. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what I really love about your artwork, um, well, well, could you tell people a little bit maybe before we go into that, what was your journey to paper cutting? Because you have a lot of skills <laughs> within your wheelhouse. What, how I did do. paper cutting kind of get paper to Paper cutting was definitely something I never even thought of outside of, I guess, making snowflakes, you know? <laughs> I actually, I went to VCU, uh, I majored in fashion design. I did that for about 10, 12 years. Um, my last job was in uh, Wisconsin with um, Kohl's. And uh, the creative director there, she had this wonderful idea outside of all of the artwork that we had to produce. She wanted the team to bring in other artwork, outside artwork. And we were kind of mumbling, I don't want anybody to have time for this, you know. <laughs> but we did it anyway. And I was really interested in origami, um, which is the act of folding paper, and karigami, and just doing some research online, I found paper cutting. So there was an artist, and I was like, this kind of interesting. I already have enough Excel um, blades and, you know, a knife. I got everything that I need from VCU to make this possible. Paper is cheap. I have lots of it. And, you know, I drew a little design and I presented it and everybody loved it. And I was like, oh, I think I may have found something that I like. Because in fashion, you're designing for other people. You're following trends, you know, and this was my own way to have my own voice and do what I wanted to do. So um, I left Coles because it was very toxic there <laughs> and moved back to Virginia. And um, I just kept going at paper cutting and just saying, you know, what do I want to, what stories do I want to tell in this paper? And just really started reflecting on uh, black history and black beauty, things that I know of, you know what I mean, things that I wanted to express. And um, just from there, just kept going, you know, just kept growing. And I was like, well, Lord, is this my thing? Because this is not something that I wanted to do. When I went to VCU, I was like, I don't want to be a poor artist. I don't want to be living check to check. <laughs> you know, that was like, don't do that. You know, my mom was like, oh, no, you're going into art because <laughs> all of my great family. great weeping of parents. <laughs> right. Everybody in my family is an educator. You know, you stay in there till you retire, you know. So me doing this is it's very scary because I'm doing it full time now. And so I'm really relying on God to give me work and give me ideas. And so I've been blessed enough that I visually see what I'm going to do and that I know that that is what I need to do. Like if someone comes to me with an idea and we talk about it, if I can't visualize something, it's not for me because I'm going to be forcing it. Yeah. But if I can read it or you know talk to someone and I get images in my head, which I say definitely come from God, yeah. because on my own I know I can't do this on my own. You know, then I know that that's a project that I can move forward with. Yeah. So it's you know it's been a, a, a a long journey, but I'm glad to be where I am and doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And it is, uh, I can believe that the work is divine if you go to WashingtonCuts.com immediately <laughs> after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, one thing that I like about um, your work in paper cutting is kind of the work of um, repurposing, right? It's kind of taking 
elements out of one thing and kind of building something beautiful out of it, which is which can be very similar to the black experience in America. I, I was reading um, that one of the um, exhibits you were working on, I think it's called Blooming in the Whirlwind, was inspired by Gwendolyn Brooks. This is a poem, Second Ser Sermon in the War Plan, yeah. which is happening in like 1968. So this is, you know, King, is, King, is, King has been assassinated. Mm -hmm. Robert F. Kennedy's been assassinated. A lot of people are dying. A lot of movements are kind of being killed. And um, in the midst of this, she's in, kind of surrounded by black arts movement organizers right. out of Chicago. And she's talking about the urgency to live and kind of bloom. And so I'm, I've been curious, um, as a, as a black woman in the art scene, right, and as we talk about um, the racism and the patriarchy that's in our society, what are some of the whirlwinds you've had to bloom through, right? And then also, how do you also um, lift up, like you said, not just the tragedy, but also the affirmation of blackness? You know, when, right. when we think about the creation narrative and we think about all of humanity, God is also saying that blackness is good, right? right? And, and in light of the anti-blackness and so many of the narratives that we kind of see, how does your work kind of lift up? Because in the, in the, in the narrative of the scripture, Moses is lifting up a piece of art that right. is bringing healing. So how do you lift up those narratives within your art? Um, I just reflect on those things that I find important to me, those things mm -hmm. that resonate with me. So I feel if it resonates with me, it's probably going to resonate with someone else. Yeah. Um, and these could be, you know, inner things that have been kept secret to myself or personal and you know, bringing them forward and saying, like you said, this is beautiful. You know, our hair is beautiful. Our culture is beautiful. Our skin is beautiful. And, you know, the whirlwinds that I've had to come through was accepting that, you know, mm -hmm. where a world where people say this is the standard of beauty, this is the standard of their lifestyle, you know, and how do I say, well, I am just as important also, you know, because I believe that God made everything good. We made us in our image. So we are all beautiful. Yeah. We all come to the table with our own differences. Um, but in God's eyes, we're beautiful. And so we should see each other as beautiful. And so since I am African-American, you know, these are my themes, you know, these are you know, this is what I want to pour into my artwork. You know, I love my hair, you know, with all of its curls and kinks, you know, and it took me a long way to get here, you know, because growing up, we straightened our hair, you know, you don't get it wet, you know, it's just all these different rules just to live life. So, you know, accepting who I am and, and how God made me, that's what I want to show, you know, throughout my artwork and even through the stories of other people's lives, you know, uh, whatever their whirlwind is. Like in that particular exhibit, um, it's a beautiful poem and it, it really just talks about the difficulties of life and still blooming through all of these struggles, you know, and you think, well, how can you bloom through struggles? But God has really put in us to persevere. He's given us that strength, you know, we are strong because of him, you know, yeah. where we're weak, he is strong. And so that is kind of pushing through. And so I did these um, portraitures of children and they had flower crowns on their head. And it's to show this innocence that is going to have to face this world soon. You know, it's going to have to deal with these difficulties, but yet they are still beautiful like a flower. You know, even if they're crushed, they're still going to grow in some kind of way. So it really was a deep exhibit for me. Yeah. Um, just getting pictures of actual children, you know, and, and putting this together and then the extra artwork that kind of went around it. Um, you know, just really, I just really wanted to express this beauty, you know, like I'm not gonna do, like I said, hard artwork that's hard to digest, but the story behind it may be hard, but what you're looking at is gonna be beautiful.
I'd like to talk about the role of art in making um, the world better for the next generation. And, and sometimes art, um, especially within the black tradition, has a tradition of, of lifting up some of the hard topics that people may not want to talk about. Right. If we think about the narrative in this, right? Um, we have vipers that have brought death to a community. And God's like, hey, Moses, uh, why don't you make a art of healing and let's make it a viper. I'm sure, you know, Moses probably like, hey, you know, read the room, man. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's getting the award. Uh, but there's something about lifting up the harm that has happened or that has uh, permeated a community. And it's interesting that it says when all those that looked at it were healed. And there's this narrative out here, not just narrative. I mean, there, there are legislators like, yeah. you know, well, I, don't, I don't know if I can name people here, but anyways. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm in a different world. Sorry. <laughs> I'm used to naming politicians, but I don't think we can do this here. But anyways, there's like a legislation of like people want to put cameras in classrooms and make sure that hard history isn't being taught and the anti-CRT and anti-woke. And I'm like, okay, you guys just want to keep sleeping, okay? But... There's in the scripture that Sal talks about that there's actually healing when we lift up those hard narratives, right, right. right? And that when we look at it, not when we put it away, not when we say something else happened, but when we look at it, there's a specific healing that happens. Right. Uh, I want to talk about one of the um, uh, projects that you've done. You've illustrated a book, which I th uh, uh, I work on illustrating a book around uh, uh, Emmett Till and Mamie Till, right? Right. And I think she's a great example of of after her son was uh, killed and, and mutilated by, by racist and hatred, mm -hmm. um, she wants to lift up her son, almost kind of like Moses lifting this up and yeah. saying, America needs to look at this because they need to learn something about themselves right. and acknowledge what's going on in order to for our nation to actually have true healing. So mm -hmm. could you tell us about that process and how your art, um, in a very beautiful way, calls <laughs> us, lifts up kind of those things and right, creates those right. moments of healing? Yeah, so the book is called Choosing Brave. Um, it's written by Angela Joy, um, and it will come out September 6th. <laughs> so, oh, like next month? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, okay. Y'all got two. WashingtonCuss.com <laughs> and Choosing Brave. Go ahead. Put a, put a marker on your phone. All right. Yes. No, go ahead. So it's, it's more so a story about Mamie. So we're, yeah. the focus is more on her life. You know, how did she get to where she was? How what type of person she was. We don't really know much about her story. We just know her action and then what happened afterwards. Um, and she lived a pretty difficult life. Um, and a lot of people didn't know that. But even through that difficulty, you know, even after her son's death, you know, she still worked with kids. She still um, was an activist. You know, she spoke and she did all that she can. And she had a strong faith in God. And I think sometimes we forget because um, a lot of these people that go for, who go through adversity, they have strength in God. They believe in God. And sometimes right. those stories are not put in there. You know, and right. sometimes as Christians, we'd be like, you know, she went through this and, and whatever. But you forget that relationship that she had. You know, Absolutely. like there's no way on her own she was going to do this, you yeah. know. So the story is really an important story. And it's funny, like thinking about this, this you know, taking books out of the classroom. I was a, pre a preschool teacher and I've taught... Um, Sunday school. Mm. I have taught two-year-olds about <laughs> Jesus dying on the cross. And right. <laughs> those are hard stories to, like, dress up and be like, yay, yeah. we love Jesus. And it was like Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. was like, you know, there was people inside in the towers, right? <laughs> <laughs> and children could get this. Right. 
this. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's nothing hard. It's just, you know, a guilt of not wanting to deal with it. But mm. it's important to have this thing. You know, it's, yeah. happen it's important to have these stories and to teach them. I mean, in uh, Sunday school, it was hard for me to like, I think I'm going to get this. Yeah. But children can get it. You know, if you teach it in a way that's, that's fitting for them at that age, you know, they can understand it. And that's a good foundation for them to learn how to be better people, how to make better choices. So I think it's important to tell these hard stories, you know, and even to um, make art about it. You know, even at the uh, St. Paul's, that was some hard artwork, you know yeah. what I mean? And for people to come and tell me that they cried looking at it, mm -hmm. you know, and... You know, I love how they had prayers to go with each piece of artwork, yeah. and it was like a repentance, and then asking God to help me to move forward, you know what I mean? And I thought that was beautiful, you know, because that's what we all need to do, you know, and God is looking for us to always have a change of heart, yeah. to see people how he sees them, and to love people how he loves them, and, you know, do good, you know, yeah. speak up for those that are voiceless, you know, and, and just to live this life that he's called us to, to live. And so I'm really excited about this book coming out. Yeah. I, like I said, we didn't really focus on the real hardships, but you can't overlook them. They are right. there. Right. But we really wanted to focus on Mamie, her beauty, her life choices. So you'll see a lot of emotion in the book, but also a lot of joy, you know, that comes through it. Um, so it's a beautiful story. I mean, well, right. <laughs> outside it's of what happens, in the whirlwind, yes. <laughs> but her life is still very courageous. It's still brave. It's still inspirational, you know, yeah. and it's a story that needs to continue. I know that they're coming out with a movie about yes. it, and I'm a little upset because I've been reading people are upset about, I guess they're calling it black trauma. Right. And I'm like, well, even as black people, yes, this is a traumatic thing right. that happened. Yeah. But we can't just push it to the side and right. just say, let's just celebrate. You know what right. I mean? Like <laughs> it's probably it's probably like very similar to Moses, right? Like when, right. when you when you have to bear that uh, and tell that story, sometimes people want to hear something else. Right. 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 But it's it's important. There's still there's still healing behind that. You know, that can happen despite that, that reticence. Exactly. And that yeah. story teaches speaking up, you know, when you feel like everybody else is telling you not to speak up. Because that's yeah. what Mamie did. They told her not to show the body. Right. They wanted to actually bury the body somewhere else. And she spoke up. She kept moving forward and said, this is wrong. Yeah. This is what happened. These people are wrong. And whether she had pushback from other people, which she did, she continued to keep going forward. So it's a lesson there of... Speaking up, you know, saying, um, you know, pointing out what's wrong and, and, and you know, standing firm on your convictions. Yeah. So, Yeah, I mean, I think that's very important. And I think it's also a great lesson um, to not let um, your offense or your shame keep you from reviewing and looking at things that can bring you towards your healing. Right. I think I, you talked about St. Paul's a little bit, and I want to talk about that a little bit because for those that don't know, St. Paul's Episcopal Church was where Robert E. Lee, Jefferson Davis went to church. They had con Confederate flags in their hymnals. They had, you know, paintings that, that painted, um, which is, this is always crazy to me. I think they had like Robert E. Lee as Moses. Yes, it's they like, did. I was it's like, <laughs> Moses caught a body over what? <laughs> Someone enslaving people. I think Moses is on the other side of that sentiment. But anyways. Yeah, yeah when I read uh, that, I had to put the book down. Yeah, I was like, I, I was just like, got to walk away. I, was like, I don't know which book they read. But um, 
Yeah, so, but I, I think it's important because we, we talked about uh, faith, right? Because this is why I like paper cutting and repurposing, right? I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I, heard, I heard about it like three weeks ago and seen your work and I've been converted. So WashingtonCuts.com and you too can be converted. Uh, but, but what's very interesting about this is that you talk about faith traditions, right? This strong foundation. Uh, Frederick Douglass talks about the two Christianities in America, right? The women whipping, uh, 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 cradle robbing uh, Christianity even versus the, the firm foundation that he kind of was on. And we think about organizers from Dr. King to Fannie Lou Hamer to Dorothy Cotton, September Clark, so many people that had this foundation. And people are going through this process kind of, kind of like deconstruction, right? Which is kind of like, which, okay, which element do I have, right? Do, am, I, am I coming out of maybe the older St. Paul's tradition? Am I coming out of, out of Dr. King's faith? And I think that a lot of people, and probably a lot of people in this room too, um, myself included, are coming through a time of kind of, it's kind of like you have these papers, right? What, there are some things that are, that are poisonous that, that can't continue in our faith. So right. as people are kind of coming through a paper cutting process of their own faith, right. of like, how do I say this is kind of what I need to have, and, and one of the pieces of work that I saw um, was an older hand handing periwinkles, which is a type of flower, to a younger generation. And you talked about how periwinkles were some of these flowers that would appear over the unmarked graves of enslaved right, people, right. right? So when we think about blooming, that can happen even from death and decomposition, mm -hmm. right? So as people are kind of deconstructing their faith, what what has been your kind of your process, right? Of as you think of paper cutting, but almost as a spiritual practice of, okay, there's part of this tradition that's good, there's part of this that's maybe a little bit poisonous, right. and where have you seen God maybe bloom your faith where, where it may be some, some death or disappointment at happened? Right. Well, definitely I've gone through my own kind of deconstruction over the years. Um, and I like how you put that. I didn't even think about it. Like paper cutting, because it is a process of taking away. You're, you're taking away something, and you have this negative and positive space. And you're, the positive space is, is what's staying, and that negative space is what's leaving. Yeah. So uh, through my own walk, um, I kind of grew up where whatever your pastor said was the end-all, be-all. <laughs> like, so it is that, written, so let it be done. <laughs> right. And that is it. So I have learned to be a little more open and not so rigid um, because pastors are, are humans also. They can interpret the Bible wrong. They can get the context wrong. And if I and over the years that I've realized things that felt wrong in my spirit that I was learning, and maybe I didn't have an answer why I felt that it was wrong, but it just didn't sit right with me. You know, as an adult, just reading more about it and saying, ah, I understand why this didn't sit well with me. And to give an example about that is, I grew up thinking that, that America was a Christian nation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was founded for whatever reason, you know, and, and it always sat wrong with me because I was like, well, didn't we kill the natives and didn't y'all right. enslave Africans? It's just hard for me to grasp that as an African-American, how the foundation of America could be really based on Christianity, right. you know? And I know that maybe that's what's in their hearts, but there was still a little something there that kind of poisoned, yeah. you know, that. And, you know, over the years, it's just wrestling with that, you know? I had to go back and read about the pilgrims and, you know, just really do my own research outside of what I was taught in church, what I was taught in school, and, you know, read people who are real historians, you know, about this. and just allow myself to be open to it, you know, and that has really helped me 
see those areas in my life where I thought this kind of felt weird or sounded weird, and now I know that I need to go look into it a little more and see what is it that maybe the Holy Spirit is showing me that wasn't right, you know what I mean, instead of just taking things as face value from uh, the pastor. Um, and it has really helped open me up to a little more, you know, knowledge about the Bible, you know, because you kind of got to look at the Bible with a wide lens. There's so many things going on during that time, you know, that kind of go with whatever that scripture was or whoever was talking. You have to take that context into consideration. You know, even growing up, you know, women couldn't teach, <laughs> you know, we had to be quiet. I was like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why would God make us if we just sit in the back and just are not talking? And then, you know, more people are doing um, research on the women in the Bible and how strong they were, how they were there. You know, Mary and Martha, you know, really in the forefront and just that important uh, role that women played in the Bible. So these are different things that I have learned more of and allowed to say, you know, this always felt wrong. And how do I fix it? How do I find the answer to that? So, you know, that's just one way that I've definitely been walking through my faith and praying and really asking the Holy Spirit to guide me to the correct answers and to really, you know, remove these things that I've been taught, you know, like I said, never sat right with me as a child. You know, at that age, you, you don't know. You just go by what somebody told you. And even sometimes as a early Christian, you know, baby Christian, as they call it, you just, that's what they said, that's what it is. You know, you just kind of move forward. And... Um, you know, you really have to know yourself. You know, you really need to know what it is, how you're feeling, how, how is the Holy Spirit talking to you, you know, and even just standing up for things that may not be right in the church, right. you know, having that voice instead of just allowing it to fall to the wayside, you know, stand up because somebody's getting hurt, you know what I mean? And that's not what God is about. He doesn't want us purposely to be hurt. You know, we want us to make the right choices. And he wants people to speak up. You know, if we're all grumbling and no one is, is saying, hey, we need to stop grumbling and do something or, you know, pray, you know, then we're all going to be getting bit by snakes. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> so, you know, just remember hard histories. If you're gardening and you see a snake today, you're just like, oh, man, you know what? Let me, let me go order this book that's coming out September 6th. Like, I don't, I don't want any problems. No, but uh, no, I, I, think, I think that's important. And I think... Um, in a, in a real context, too, could you talk maybe about the reactions of people from the St. Paul's uh, stations as well? Because I think a lot of times, again, there's this hesitancy of, if I acknowledge this hard history, I'm going to be consumed or, you know. But really just the beauty, the, the blooming that also happens from, from, from those processes. Uh, well, like I said, a lot of people who saw it, they cried, you know, and... A lot of people said it definitely was hard, because it is hard. It's, it's a hard history to go through, to know that at a point, people who were Christians worshipped Robert E. Lee and Andrew Jackson and, and the Confederacy and all that it stood for. They saw it as right. And you're enslaving people, but you're also trying to save people. Those two things just don't go together. You get saved. The baptism doesn't affect that part, <laughs> right, because we're right. losing court case. Yeah. You know, if you do get saved, you can't sit with us. You got to sit way up here in the back. You know, like, where is God's love in any of that? You know what I mean? Where is the acceptance of God in any of that? You know, I think there's a story that they have where um, 
I think the pastor or whoever at that time, that pastor, they use different terms. <laughs> but the person in leadership at that time had called people to come forward to, to get prayer. And a black man came down and came to the front. And people were like, we don't know what to do, but this is not right. He's not supposed to be down here. Yeah. Well, well, why not? You know, yeah. it's this prayer, you know. And so people are really... When they see it, they're, they're reading about it and really digesting, you know, what that, what that was and how that affected the people during those times and how that set up a group of people to really um, be in poverty, be, um, you know, not as educated or have the means that they need to kind of live life. Because not only, you know, you had the church, but these were wealthy people. Yeah. You know, they were invested in Richmond. You know, they bought houses, they sold goods, you know, and all of these Africans, these blacks, they, they worked for them. They lived on their homes, you know, and, you know, you had this little area, I think it was Jackson Ward, you know, that was for blacks, but it wasn't as um, put together as other parts of the neighborhoods, you know, so they had, they didn't have lights, you know, they didn't have running water, you know, you had these two separate parts of the, of the city. And for them to know that they are supposed to be Christian, this is what they read in the Bible, and so that's what I'm saying. When you have parts of you that are saying this is wrong, you got to act on them because there were people that were like, I don't know about this. This doesn't feel right, but they were following the norm. They just kept going. It's wrong to have slaves, but I'm going to have a couple because if I don't, you're not going to buy this for me. Yeah. Well, if you believe in God, he's going to supply all your needs whether, you know, if you're not following them, he's still going to provide for you. So that shows a lack of faith, you know, and, and as for all of us, you know, really thinking, how strong is my faith? Am I going to follow other people down the wrong path, you know, and continue? Because you're going to have that Holy Spirit is going to be like, this ain't right. You know, you should be doing something more. Are you going to be obedient or disobedient? It goes back so the Israelites, you know, like, that's just where we have the Bible. It shows the many times where people were disobedient and the consequences that came out of it. So, you know, the project really shows the consequences. It shows how they did change their heart over time and really try to, you know, turn a new leaf. And they tried it several times, but they had opposition, you know. But I really do appreciate that they, they stood strong and said, this is this time, <laughs> we're going to do it, we're going to help and invest in our community, we're going to, uh, you know, welcome people with open arms, you know, of all races, all everything, you know, and to come in and to be here and worship with us as one people. So, um, it, I was just really excited. People really liked it, you know, <laughs> like, and then for me to learn all this about Richmond, it was like, oh, I know <laughs> Like, I knew Richmond was kind of, you know, shady, but come right. on. <laughs> this is a lot. Yeah. And that was my first time being in that church when I first got the project. Mm. And to see how beautiful that church is. Yeah. It's a beautiful church. I, like, stood there in the middle in awe, you know. And yeah. then to find out, oh, the enslaved built some of this. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have that in one of the arts. You see these hands reaching up, but they have shackles. And then there's the, um, the original um, facade of the church at the top. And you see the white parishioners going into the church. Mm. And these hands represent, we're holding this church up. We have mm. built this church, but we are not going into the church. Mm. And then there's like the trees, the glory of everything, you know, because 
these people have money, you know, everything is beautiful. The church is beautiful. The outdoors is beautiful. And there is a, um, a brick pattern that's at the top. And that was actually taken from, they have a picture of um, Jesus and the disciples in the back. And I use that pattern to kind of express the glory of God, you know, like it's there. And these people may not have been able to go into the house of worship, but Africans believed in God. Yeah. And it took me a while. That's another part that I had to kind of cut away in believing that this was the white man's religion. Because, you know, as I always a, say Nat Turner's <laughs> uh, slave master would disagree because <laughs> Nat Tur read the Bible and it was, didn't work well for him. But, yeah. <laughs> But recently, I have learned that different parts of uh, countries in Africa, they believed in God. And we forget that in the Bible, there's an Ethiopian, you know, that becomes converted. They are, you have to think about even some of the um, people that owned slaves, where it talks about in his whole home, his whole house became, you know, knew the Lord and believed. So these people were more than likely people of color. And they were more than likely going to tell someone else that they knew about this God, you know, that they believed in. And, and Africa definitely got the gospel before yes. we did. <laughs> yes, yes. So it was there. But For these sure. are things that I didn't know. Yeah. I was taught, right. <laughs> unfortunately, and this was a, a, a sermon that I heard that didn't sit right with me, mm. that slavery existed so that we could be saved. And I was like, mm. I don't know about that. Yeah. Like, that just seems like God could have chosen a different way. Man, y'all got the gospel without <laughs> slavery. I bet. <laughs> Everything that can happen to somebody else. <laughs> right, like, why yeah. us? You know, yeah. so it's, you know, I, I, right. it's just learning these things and just allowing them to fall to the wayside. Right. You know, like, they had a creator. They knew whether the ones that didn't maybe believe in the same God that right. their you know, whites believed in, but they knew that some, some creator made them and loved them. So they had their own sense of being, yeah. you know, and to strip that away and then say, this is how you love God, you know, it, it, it's a hard pill to digest, you know, yeah. for the people that, um, who have history at that church, you yeah. know, they have plaques, you know, in the church of so-and-so died, and, you know, this is in, you know, memory of them, so, I mean, their history goes so deep in Richmond, you know, but I, I love that project very much, I poured my heart into it, the Holy Spirit literally led me to what to design for each one, because it's hard to put so much information into those panels without it being too much, you know, like right, too yeah. busy, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was very glad to be a part of that project. Yeah. And I think it's great that, to recognize this, and I think we can probably close on this. I don't, how are we doing on time? Okay, cool, all right, cool. I got the um, oh. showtime at the <laughs> Apollo, so. I don't want any uh, canes coming out or vipers coming on stage. Uh, but um, I think it, it, that's a great just example of um, the spiritual of St. Paul's recognizing that s the connection between seeing and formation of the heart. Mm -hmm. Because as people walked into that space, art kind of communicates at a deeper level sometimes than we may even be aware of, right? Which, which when we talk about representation and equity within representation. But it's important that one of, one of, a book I read recently called Rediscipling the White Church by David Swanson is saying, was, it, he says that uh, so many people believe that Jesus is the only force in the world that disciples, mm -hmm. that we're discipled every day by the things that we see, social media, news, whatever it is, all those things are discipling us and what is set before us, what we see, uh, which also might be a very important reason why God is like, you know, do not, you know, <laughs> 
set you know idols before you, right? Because these things that we see and expose ourselves to are very directly connected to the formation of the heart, which is why you know a lot of protesters are also saying like we need to take these monuments down because we are seeing those that created a message, a priority that formed our cities and our nation's heart for so long. And art very much has a way of in the positive and the negative, right? But in lifting up those hard histories and, and having a spiritual discipline of, I'm going to read uh, what, what my beliefs or my theology may impact someone who's outside of my in-group, right? Uh, you know, um, it's an important practice for us to have in art and such as the art that Janelle does, um, does such a great work of that and a great legacy of, of, of doing that already. So I want to thank you for joining us and for the work thank that you. you've been doing. WashingtonCuts.com. <laughs> Everybody say WashingtonCuts.com. <laughs> and September 6th, yes. Choosing Brave. Yes, choosing brave. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm just going to wrap it up before the Vipers come out. All right, no, cool. Thank you. <laughs> Give it a